I'm happy to be here today to continue in our DNA series um, that we've been, uh, we've been learning about. Devin kicked it off um, a couple weeks ago with Discover, and we're going to keep on going. Uh, and I just want to review just a little bit, starting with our mission, Crestview's mission. We exist to lead people in a growing relationship with, with Jesus. We exist to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, let's go ahead and say that all together now. You guys ready? We exist to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we exist. We exist to make disciples. So disciples, it's it's kind of a a biblical word. But just talk about what it means. What does discipleship mean? And discipleship is a process which we can become more like Christ. It's, it's as simple as that. Going from far away from, from God to closer to God. And those steps in between is discipleship. It's more than information. It's transformation. It's more than just taking in sermons and, and, and reading the Bible. It's applying it to our life and being transformed in the likeness of Christ. Sadly, I, I've met several people that they've, you know what, when it comes to Christianity, they're, they're very educated. They've read through the Bible. However, it, they've never really let it go from their head to their heart and, and reach transformation and become a, a, a true disciple. Discipleship is key for Crestview. Uh, there's a, a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer I want you to read today. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Kind of a heavy statement. Uh, just bring up to speed on Bonhoeffer. Um, he, was, uh, he was the author of a book called The Cost of Discipleship. It's a fairly well-known book. Also, he was a pastor in, in Nazi Germany many years ago. He was thrown into a, a concentration camp by, by Hitler himself and later hanged for his faith. He understood the cost of discipleship. But let's, let's just think about that quote for a second. Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. At Crestview, it shouldn't be just part of what we do. It should be all of it. And if there's something at Crestview that, 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 that doesn't have us bring others into a growing relationship with, with Christ or discipleship, then we, in reality, we shouldn't be doing it, plain and simple. So let's talk a bit more about what our discipleship strategy, what's the Crestview way? How, how do we do this? It's the three Ds. You guys know what they are? Discover, develop, and... Yeah, you guys got this. Come on. And you guys may, may have uh, seen it so many times that you forget about it, but it's out in our lobby, in, in, in big letters in our lobby. That's, that's, how, that's why it's important to us. Just a, a quick overview of Discover, Develop, Deploy. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Devin talked to us about dis- Discover. He gave us Romans 6.23, a tool that we can use to bring others to, to discover Christ and who he is. But it's more than just accepting Christ for that first time. It's connecting with Christ and reconnecting. And the way we do that at Crestview is what we're doing right now, Sunday mornings. It's our chance on a regular basis to connect with Christ. Something else we do at Crestview is encounter. There's a men's encounter coming up this Thursday. Men, if, if you're not signed up yet, today's the last day. There'll be men out, out front help you get signed up. Women, yours is coming up March 3rd through the 5th. You'll hear more information about that shortly. 
but it's a chance for not just those who are non-believers or, or new, but even those who have been following Christ for a while. It, it, it's for everybody. Highly encourage you to go. We'll chat more about it in a little bit. There's the discover, and the next is develop. Developing our faith in Christ, and you know what? Like I said, it's more than information. It's putting our faith in action. It's taking a step of obedience through our personal disciplines, our, our private disciplines, like re- getting in the word, talking to God through prayer, fasting. It means connecting with other believers, like we do in life groups. It also means growing through doing. And that's our personal ministry. Discover, develop, and the last one's deploy. Next week, Devin's going to come on back and he's going to talk what it means to be about reaching the world, being mission-minded, being the salt and light, not only in Manhattan, but the rest of the world. Deploying means getting outside the walls of our church and taking the kingdom to a a place that, that, that needs it. And also means giving financially to, to support the kingdom as well. So that's it. That's our strategy. It's pretty simple. We made it simple. Discover, develop, deploy. Because, so you can remember it. But the thing is, it's not one of those things where, you know what? I've discovered. I know who Christ is. Great. Yeah. Okay. Developed. Yeah, that one time I went to that class. That was awesome. And, and, then, and then deploy. I, I did that service project once. Cool. I'm done. You know what? Clear me out. Sign my name, I'm heading to heaven. Yeah? It doesn't work like that. These are three things that we need to be actively involved in on a regular basis. There are three three markers, discover, develop, deploy, three markers of a disciple. It's not things you do once and check it off. We'll never fully, fully arrive this side of heaven. Today we're going to d- dig deeper into the develop piece of our discipleship process here at, at Crestview. And like I said, it means practicing obedience. Practicing obedience. And, and while, you know what, I highly recommend you guys all look into uh, getting into a life group. I, I'd highly recommend all, you, all of you to um, begin some personal disciplines in your life. Getting connected with, with Christ personally. But today, we're going to focus in on what it means to grow through doing. Growing and have, having a personal ministry that we're a part of. So what is it exactly about, about having a personal ministry that leads to our growth? I would tell you, I, if I were to go around to, to many people in this room and just kind of say, okay, tell me your faith story. What caused your faith not to grow in steps but leaps. What would cause you to grow the most? And I would, I would argue that for many people in here, it was either the first time or another time that they engaged in personal ministry. Their story might go a lot like this. You know what? I heard about this opportunity. You know, I didn't feel equipped. I didn't know what I was doing. But I just kind of felt this prompting, this urge to do something about it. Now, I know what guilt is, and it wasn't that, but it was just a nudge. I needed to do something about it. And like I said, I I was afraid. I didn't know what to do, but when I tried, God showed up. And when he did, 
he did something big. And I got to see him transform lives. I got to do him, see him do something that was far beyond what I thought was capable by myself. Maybe they decide to, to reach out to a neighbor. Maybe they decide to um, get involved in youth ministry, loving on a group of seventh grade boys. Maybe, yeah, you can laugh. <laughs> or, or maybe it means, you know, serving a mission more than just by giving money and prayers. Getting involved in a mission more than just, like I said, money and prayers. I mean, I mean getting involved at a personal level. They would say they weren't confident and even afraid the first time they stepped forward. A good example of this that I've seen here at Crestview is, um, is through a couple men in our, in our men's ministry. Uh, Shannon Sutton, Troy Galvin, I know there's several others that I could mention. But for them, I'll, I'll tell you my experience watching them grow in their faith. Uh, the first time they attended a men's encounter, oh, like a year, year and a half ago, not too long ago. Uh, and just a few months before that, I had to actually had the privilege of baptizing Shannon. So he was still a new believer. They went to, they went to encounter without me. I, I'm pretty sure I was here holding down the fort. But for them, where I saw the most growth out of them is when they went back four months later to another men's encounter, but not as a, to attend, but to serve. And, and I saw them engage with the men, praying, and ministering to them. And, and I was floored to see how God could, t- could take ordinary men to do big things. That's, that kind of stuff happens all the time. And that, it's only through personal ministry that our, that our faith starts to take leaps forward. A prime example of this happens to come straight out of the Bible. Uh, we're going to read in uh, Matthew chapter 14. Get your Bibles out. Open up your app, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. There's a great story that kind of illustrates what God can do when we're uncertain. What God can do when we don't feel prepared. But really quick, I just want want to take a a quick pause and and, and ask God to to bless the words that we're going to hear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to ask that um, it wouldn't be my words that, that, that are heard today, but Lord, it's your truth that would be heard. Lord, I pray that you would uh, impact our hearts. I pray that you would transform them to make them more like your son. Lord, bless the scripture we're going to hear. Amen. Let's jump in. Verse 13. When Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So when he heard what had happened. So Jesus had heard, this is what was covered in the first few verses of that chapter, Jesus had heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been executed. A normal reaction is to get alone in prayer, to mourn. He needed to recharge. This was, it was a big blow to him. 
He was close to John. John was close to him. And it really heavily affected him. And he went to get alone. But once you have it, the people followed. He wasn't able to get alone. Verse 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw such a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so we can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So there was a need. Pretty simple. It was food. They had been there all day. They had followed Jesus. He was healing. He was probably teaching. Pretty simple. After a certain amount of time, your your tummy starts grumbling. And, And the disciples came up to Jesus, yeah? And said, you know what? We have all these people here. There are a bunch, thousands, thousands of people here. You need to send them into town so they get some McDonald's, Burger King, or whatever is out there to get some food because they're hungry, Jesus, which means, yeah, Jesus, we're hungry, okay? Disciples were hungry. And, and Jesus knew that. Let's see what he had to say about it. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. He gave them a challenge. So you know what? They have a need. Why don't you do something about it? Don't push it off onto someone else. You do something about that. Now, I don't know if they just didn't immediately think about it. If I'm honest, I wouldn't have thought about it trying to meet so big of a need. So I, I can't fault the disciples. And Jesus recognized that the people were hungry. And, you know, chances were good he was as well. And we've probably also come across that same t- type of tension. We see something big, something that needs to be done. But we have no, no idea what we can do about it. I, I'm just one person. I don't know where to start. That tension in our lives about, you know what, I know what I should do. There's this big need. I know, I'm gonna pray about it. Yeah? I'm gonna pray, Lord, I pray that someone else could do something about that. Yeah, I, I'm sure, I prayed that prayer. And I'm sure you have too, but Jesus wasn't letting them out of that. He said, what do you got? And the, and, and the disciples answered in verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. So start, I mean, they started making some, some excuses maybe. It's like, all right, Jesus, we've done the math. Yeah? Five plus two divided by thousands equals not going to happen. <laughs> you know what? You've got the wrong guys. It'd be cool if we did, could do something, but look. We've already done the math. It's not going to work. And then Jesus said something that maybe they didn't expect. And he said, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. He said this to the disciples, but often I think he still says, says the same thing to us. We say, you know what? Jesus, I don't know the Bible that well. And Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring the the knowledge you do have. 
and maybe we say, you know what? If somebody were to ask me questions, I don't think I'd give all the answers. She says, that's fine. Bring me the answers you do have. Or maybe, you know what, Jesus, I'm really not that social. People really don't like me, and I don't like them. He says, you know what? You don't have to be a people person. Bring me the abilities you do have. I don't have enough experience. Well, bring me the experience you do have. Or maybe I'm, I'm not very gifted. You know, there's some people, I mean, they're awesome. But Jesus says, you know what? Bring me the abilities that you do have and see what I can't do with it. Jesus calls us to step out in faith and he asks us to bring the little that we have and to see what he can do with it. Now let's see what Jesus did with that small meal. Verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up into heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves, then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Jesus did something miraculous. He prayed and multiplied the food. And then the disciples took over and they did what they could do, which was pass out the meal. By themselves, there's no way they could have managed to feed that many people with so small of an offering. But when they took a step of faith, they did what they could do. God calls us to do the same thing in our lives. Whenever you feel the prompting of the Spirit to, to reach out to someone you feel like might be in need, to maybe pull some ladies in your community together for a group, maybe, he'll, maybe you're feeling the prompting to, to, to get involved and, and to care for the little ones of our church. It's that kind of thing that call, God calls us to do and step out in faith. And our, our response should be the very same as the disciples. We do what we can do and God will do what only he can do. We do what we can do and God will do what only he can do. Can you guys say that with me, please? We do what we can do and God will do what only he can do. When we step out in a small bit of faith and offer him the very little that we have, we trust that God will do the rest. You know what? This comes with, with fear, lack of certainty, lack of confidence. But what you probably don't realize, those feelings are what it feels like to have your faith stretched, to, to give your faith muscles a workout. You know, when you're, when you're in the gym, hitting the weights, start to feel a burn in your muscles, you, you know you're growing, same thing with our faith. Those is what feeling the burn feels like when you're, when you're growing your faith, is that, that fear, uncertainty, lack of confidence. But at the end of the workout, your faith grows, and you're able to say, wow, look what God did. Verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. After all these events, I imagine the disciples were like, okay, we, we've seen Jesus, we've been around for a while, but this was cool. 
And I imagine not even Peter himself, he had a habit of uh, opening his mouth and inserting his foot, yeah? Not even Peter could have said, hey guys, that was pretty cool what we did. Let's open up a, a crowd, be- crowd feeding business, yeah? We could kill it. That was awesome. That was all us. High five, yeah. No, he, not even he could do that. Because they, they had no doubt that, that God took the small that they provided and expanded. He took, they did what only they could do. Sorry, they did what they could do and trusted God to do what only he could do. The same thing applies to us when we take a step of obedience and faith. When we're called to act, and we do, the result's the same. Our faith expands and God's glorified. The entire story can be summed up in this passage from 1 Corinthians written by Paul. Follow along here. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Paul wasn't just speaking about himself, you know, the apostle Paul, high and lofty. He was saying, no, church in Corinth, church at Crestview, you are competent. You are confident. Not because of what you have for yourself, it's because the Spirit is living in and through you. You have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The God the Father is caring for you. It's not your own abilities that make you confident. It's not your own abilities that make you competent as ministers. It's me. God can take the, the least talented, the least experienced, the least prepared, the least knowledgeable, and do amazing things. When we do what we can do, and trust God do what only he can do. Just like he did with the disciples. They did what they could do. Serving the loaves, loaves to the, uh, and fishes to the, uh, to the people. And they relied on Jesus to do what only he could do. Multiply it. That seems like a great place to end the story. But if you look in, in verse, uh, verse 22, it says immediately. And you may have heard this next part of the story as well. So I'm just going to paraphrase it. I'm just going to tell it from my own point of view. So it says, immediately Jesus came to the crowds and dismissed, and, and dismissed them. To the disciples, he says, hey guys, get in the boat. Head across to the, the Sea of Galilee. I will, I will meet you, I'll, I'll meet you over there. For myself, I'm going to spend some time to get along with God like I had planned in the first place. Disciples obeyed. People went on their way. Disciples got on the boat, and they weren't but halfway across the sea when when the wind and the waves kicked up. There's a squall. I'm sure it was was a big one, and they were just tirelessly rowing against the waves, just trying to, to keep it afloat. And as wisdom, Jesus knew that this was happening. He got it from where he was and took a walk out like only Jesus could do to meet his disciples. He walked on water. In their rowing, in in their panic, they looked up, they looked over, and they saw someone standing on the water, immediately thought, they started freaking out. It's a ghost! 
you know, even Matthew, he, he wrote this. He wrote the book. You know, if I were writing the book, I'd be like, yeah, we, we played it cool. You know what I'm saying? There might be a ghost over there. But no, he, he was honest. Matthew was honest. He said, you know what? We were scared. We thought it was a ghost. But Jesus said, hey, guys, it's me. It's Jesus. Still kind of uh, fearful. Only Peter spoke up. That's kind of what I like about Peter. Peter said, oh, yeah? If it is really you, ask me to come out and walk on the water with you. I'm sure the other 11 were like, yeah, you go, Peter. Let's see what, how that works. Make that happen. And Jesus, I'm sure part of him inside, he probably smiled at the time. He's like, come on. The cool part, Peter did what he could do which wasn't much. I know that he didn't have faith in his water walking abilities. He hadn't done so up, up to that point. He never thought it was even a possibility. So what Peter could do was crawl up and over to the side of the boat and put one foot down and then the other. And then the other. And he trusted what Jesus could do. He had faith because he just saw it earlier that day that Jesus could take something small and do anything with it. Now, I've heard, this, I've heard this story preached several times in my life. And usually the main point of the story was Peter's lack of faith. Because the way the story ends up, if you haven't, if you haven't heard it before, is he starts to sink. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, sees the wind and the waves, starts freaking out a little bit. He starts to sink, calls out, Lord, save me. Jesus bends over, takes him by the hand, pulls him out, looks in his eyes, I kind of, kind of get the feeling, he said, like, you almost had it. You almost had this. Keep going. People have told me that, you know, that was a failure of faith. We just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And it was far from a failure. A failure would have been to stay in the boat with the other 11. He was walking when he had no business being on that water. Somehow we have it in our mind that the disciples are like holy and saintly. We've seen pictures of them. They look like serene and their hair is also, you know, like nicely done and conditioned. Yeah. And they have a halo on their head or whatever. They're all chilling around a table like, what's up, Jesus? Yeah. No, I mean, if you read the Bible for what it is, you'll find out they are ordinary men just like you and me. And if Jesus could do something like that with them, he wants to do it with us. In conclusion, today, I just want to ask this one question and just let it sit for a little bit. What step will you take? What small offering are you going to bring? What is something small that you can do so you can watch God do what only he can do? In your bulletins today, what was a handout? Please pull that out right now, please. This is opportunities for personal ministry. These are some ideas. It's not the only thing that could happen, but these are some ideas of things, of needs that need to be met at Crestview. 
If you look on the first page, it's all about kids and youth. Kids and youth at Crestview are so very important. Our kids are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And you know what? The, what we put into them now is, has eternal blessings for generations. There's also, on here, I just want to highlight on the very back, on, at the very bottom, is Life on Mission Life Group Leader. February 26th, we're starting an all-church curriculum where everybody's learning the same thing from kids to teens and youth to life groups to Sunday mornings. All the families are learning the same thing at the same time. It's very, very powerful. It's called Life on Mission. It's about how to take your faith beyond the walls of Crestview, beyond the walls of the church. It's going to be excellent. You, you don't want to miss it. Um, the three things we're asking people to commit to during this time is daily time in the Word. Being here every Sunday for those six weeks. And then also during those six weeks, we're asking people to, to jump into a life group. Right now, we have 15 life groups that are, meeting, that are meeting currently. In order to facilitate everybody getting involved, we're going to need to double that number. We need 30. That means we need 15 more people that are willing to open their hearts, open their homes, and help facilitate a discussion about life on mission for those six weeks. Two other opportunities. Like I said, men's and women's encounter. If you're in here and you've already went, I highly recommend that you go back and you serve. Your faith will grow more than you thought it could grow the first time you went. And then the last one is men. This is just for you. The men are, are, are deploying, have a deploy trip to Cooks and Hills. Cooks and Hills is one of our missions uh, here at Crestview. We support them financially. And you know what? We're doing more than just praying and, uh, and sending money. We're getting involved. They have a project there to, to, to retool their facility where they take care of uh, kids going through hard times. And, and, the, and the men are going to help with a, a demolition project. Men, if you have two hands, you're, you're, you're the right fit. <laughs> you don't need to learn how to build anything. You just have to know how to destroy it. Yes? And that's kind of the fun part. So that, that is on... Uh, that's coming up on February 10th through the 12th. Nick Beneke, he's leading that trip. He'll be out, front, he'll be out in the lobby there for questions and knowing what you're going to do. But like I said, all men are welcome. Even our uh, young men in high school. For the other things, if you're interested in any th these things, on your bulletin is, is a, a, a connection card at the bottom or on the reverse side at the bottom or sc scratch on there in, in the prayer request area of an area that you might like to take a step in. You're, you're feeling God's urge to move forward in a certain area. Don't, don't let this time pass. Fill out your connection card and put it in the offering as we pass by. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you for stories today, stories like what happened with uh, Peter and the rest of the disciples. They got to see you work. But more than that, 
they were an important part of the uh, equation as well. Because they could bring something to you, even though it was so small, it was five loaves, two fish, and you did something excellent with it. They took, you took the ordinary and made it extraordinary. Lord, I pray that our faith would grow as well. Whenever we take steps in faith to do what we can do. Lord, your name I pray. Amen.